Hi, my name's Brian. I only know four stories, but I'd like to share them with you. So sit back, relax, and let me tell you a story. Today's story is going to be um, in the arcology setting again. We've got two more to go uh, in this particular setting, uh, and I want to tell uh, today the clown story or the the clown joke. Uh, and so we're set again uh, in our underwater city, uh, and we'll see where this one takes us. Um, I don't really know how comedy works here, um, though I have an inkling of an idea. We may go in a completely different direction with this one. So um, sit back, relax, and enjoy the clown story. Her alarm was blaring. Um, she rolled out of bed and slapped the alarm clock, but the alarm kept blaring. She rubbed sleep out of her eyes and she realized that it wasn't the alarm clock alarm that she was hearing. It was some other alarm. She um, tried to steady herself on, the, uh, on her feet when she realized that the swaying she felt was not just her unsteadiness from having just woken up and gotten out of bed. The floor uh, underneath her in her pod was moving. She was rocking back and forth, and it wasn't like the gentle motion of the, the sea that often happened in the arcology. This felt more like, and it clicked for her, that was the earthquake alarm. She was feeling an earthquake happening right underneath her. She quickly flicked the lights on in her room. She didn't know what, what time it was, uh, and she uh, scrambled out uh, of uh, her bedroom toward the, the TV. And she realized that for most people, it was closer to, to midday, but she usually worked the uh, overnight repair shift. So this was right in the middle of when she was often asleep. Um, day and night had slightly different meanings under water. Most people kept to a, a regular schedule of night and day, but... Uh, at the level uh, where her lodging was, the it was always dark outside anyway. So the difference between night and day was was really just uh, you know a, a construct, something that that she saw on the clock. But uh, she realized it was about midday, uh, and uh, she flipped on the TV to see what was what was going on, and. Uh, there were emergency chirons on the bottom of the, the newscast uh, talking about how they had been hit by an earthquake and they were awaiting more reports and they, they still weren't sure uh, exactly how, um, how uh, strong it had been on the Richter scale. So she sighed and realized that uh, she wasn't going to get a whole lot of sleep this day, um, but on the bright side, she might get some overtime if she was called in, uh, to fix things now. So, okay, maybe, maybe this could be a good thing. 
She left the TV on while she went over to her little mini kitchen. Uh, her pod was, was set up more like a studio apartment, so she wandered over to the part with the, the sink and the refrigerator, and she went up to the... Um, freezer uh, and pulled out uh, a pack of coffee grounds um there were you know coffee was one of the the few uh surface plants and things that you still had easily and uh, readily cheap access to it was a uh, a staple there was she wasn't she'd heard a rumor she wasn't sure she'd never verified this but that um one uh, arcology's entire greenhouses uh were just dedicated to growing various different caffeine plants so um coffee and tea and and mate and and things like that but anyway she grabbed the uh coffee grounds out of the freezer and uh scooped a big scoop into her brewer uh and um there was already a filter in there she um what before she went to bed she didn't have a fancy enough coffee maker that it would automatically start on a timer but uh she wanted to make sure that things were as set as they possibly could be when she got up in the morning so she had a filter uh, in the coffee maker already and she had it filled up with water and the, the pot was clean and ready to go um, all she had to do was scoop the grounds from the freezer into the coffee maker and turn it on which is what she did uh, and she could hear the bubbling sound of the water starting to heat up in the back of the coffee maker as she walked back over towards the TV the news anchors were reporting now that it was a Richter oh, 6.3 um, which is not so bad the um, arcologies had been built to withstand more than that uh, but uh, she knew that this was more than just a, a regular level of earthquake this was definitely something that uh, would require some extensive repairs and she had to remind herself that's okay I'm gonna get overtime for this this is much more than uh, would usually be expected of me she was a, a deep sea welder and an underwater maintenance tech and so she spent most of her time uh, outside patching cracks and, and various different leaks and uh, fixing things when they broke um, and so this was her wheelhouse she knew she was going to get called in and pulled off of her regular maintenance duties um, and so she was really just waiting for that call as she sat and watched the uh, news reports coming in uh, apparently a few of the um, gondola cables had snapped and those were going to need to be repaired um, you know one one arcology had been almost right over top of the epicenter and that one had uh, gotten rocked uh, pretty well uh, and that snapped some of the gondola lines um, and while putting those back together was not too difficult they had to be tested to make sure that nothing had frayed or, or snapped and that they had broken at the failure points like they were supposed to so there was actually quite a bit uh, that was going to need to be done um, they were still awaiting some reports on how much damage had actually been done to that arcology itself um, and so she knew there might be some other things to repair there as well it was going to be a few long days but 
she could use the money. So uh, she thought to herself as she stretched uh, and continued to uh, bit by bit uh, wake up. Her coffee was starting to brew. She could hear the hot water uh, bubbling out of the tank and into the coffee grounds. There was a slight hiss as the hot water first hit the top of the coffee grounds. She could see some steam uh, curling out of the little gap between where the uh, filter cone part closed in under the uh, falling hot water and she could see steam curling up out of that gap and just a few moments later she started to get the first smells of that rich dark earthy chocolatey and she, she liked a really dark roast so almost kind of a burnt leather sort of smell drifting across the room towards her uh, and she she smiled um, she had um, a, a, she, a while ago, she had bought some milk and, you know, milk was a fairly precious commodity. Uh, and she didn't usually, uh, keep it around because it spoiled fairly quickly. But what she did do was she poured some of it into an ice cube tray, uh, and she froze it because she had heard that you could freeze milk and this worked pretty well. So she had, um, a bag of uh, ice cubes in the fridge that were frozen milk. Uh, and from time to time, instead of using a, a non-dairy creamer or, or one of the uh, various uh, nut or grain milks uh, that most people used, sometimes she would break out one of those milk ice cubes and, and put it in her coffee and uh, really treat herself. Uh, and she figured that today was a good day to do that. This was going to be this is going to be a long one. She'd only gotten maybe, oh, who knows? She checked her watch. Oh yeah, she'd only gotten about uh, four or something hours of sleep. So uh, it was definitely uh, definitely time to to splurge a little bit on her morning coffee. She waited a little bit longer for her coffee to finish brewing. Uh, as she continued to stare at the news report and it looked like, yes, that, that one arcology that, uh, had some, uh, that, that was right over the epicenter of the, um, earthquake had some damage. There were some flow flooding on the lower levels, um, in some of the, the engineering, uh, of that arcology. Sounds like nobody had been, uh, killed or injured, which is, is great. Um, but there was still going to be a lot of cleanup to do. Uh, it sounds like it got some of the, um, power storage. It hit some of the batteries. Uh, and so that was going to be a pain. They had to be sure to pump all of the water out first so that nobody was in danger of, uh, electrical shock. Um, then they would have to go in and, and clean all the batteries and check to see which ones were still working. But uh, in many ways, this was actually a, a, a fairly simple problem to solve. Uh, it wasn't like they had hit the um, oxygen processing or, or anything like that. Uh, and people were in any kind of immediate danger and would need to be um, evacuated right away, uh, which was always a lot of trouble. Um, but uh, it could have hit 
uh, you know, various other life support things or the, you know, the geothermal heating system, which probably also would have required evacuation. But uh, if it was the middle of the day, then the uh, solar panels should, uh, well, she reminded herself she needed to check the weather report, but the solar panels should be delivering some, some live energy. Uh, and um, so the batteries weren't completely necessary right now. Uh, and so that would probably be the, she was realizing that would probably be the first thing that they would be called in to fix is to, to try to make sure they get the batteries up and running so that, uh, when the sun goes down, there will still be power, uh, for the arcology. She wondered if she knew that there were some backup power lines that came from the other arcologies, just in case something like this happened. And she wondered if, if maybe the earthquake hadn't taken down some of those backup lines as well. Hmm. Well, she was sure she would get the full report when she checked in with her maintenance crew. Uh, and, uh, it looked like the coffee was finally done brewing enough. So she went over, uh, and, uh, grabbed a travel mug out of the cabinet, uh, filled it up with hot coffee and, uh, uh, tossed in uh, one of the milk ice cubes, uh, and she watched it uh, melt and um, turn the color of her coffee from a deep dark black into a it was a little bit more like a milk chocolate because you know one milk ice cube is is not a whole ton of milk, but she. She liked to do this for another reason, too, that the coffee was always just a little too hot for her to drink when it first came out of the coffee pot, and she really liked to get a big first gulp of it instead of uh, waiting for it to cool off or blowing on it or sipping slowly. So she uh, liked to put this ice cube in here to cool it down just enough that she could take a really big first swig. And... She watched the ice cube melt in the coffee, bubbling and spitting a little bit around the edges as it turned and swirled and shrank, dissolving in the black liquid, giving off little bubbles that floated towards the edge of the travel mug as the little shard of ice uh, milk that was left spun faster and faster in the middle of the coffee as it got smaller and smaller until finally it disappeared. She brought the cup up to her lips and inhaled deeply through her nose to get the smell of the rich, aromatic, dark roast with just a hint of milk in it, uh, and she sighed and smiled and took a big, long drink from the coffee, and she let it fill her mouth. She swished it around just a little from side to side, letting it coat her tongue in the insides of her mouth before swallowing it down, and it was hot, but not hot enough to burn which was perfect for her. Okay, this this is going to be a long couple of days, but it's going to be okay, she thought to herself as the warm coffee settled into her stomach. 
she screwed a lid onto the top of her travel mug uh, right about the time that she heard her phone ring. Uh, She went over to where her phone was by her bed and picked it up, and exactly as she had expected, uh, it was a call from the maintenance department uh, telling her to go ahead and report in, and she was getting called in for some overtime repair work, uh, and that they would discuss her assignment more uh, once she got into the repair shed. The repair shed... um, There were actually several of them throughout the Arcology. There were uh, different repair equipment stored at different depths, uh, depending on the the pressure suits that that you would need uh, and the the various different tools that uh, were required for the more common tasks at those depths. But uh, she knew whenever she got called into the shed that they they really meant the the big one, uh, which was towards the, the bottom. Uh, of the arcology and so she put on her jumpsuit uh, and she uh, laced up her boots uh, and she took another uh, she popped the the top on her travel mug uh, and let a little bit more of the steam escape before taking another big mouthful uh, and sealing up the lid again uh, and uh, leaving her quarters. She yawned as her door uh, hissed and clicked shut behind her. Um, all of the all the doors on the uh, living quarters with portholes uh, had a little bit of a, uh, an airlock effect on them just in case something broke and, and water uh, started to rush in. So uh, she was well familiar with uh, this this sound and why it was needed. She didn't know if other people thought about this, but uh, because she was a maintenance tech, she was always thinking about contingencies and uh, what would happen if things went wrong. Um, and so she was thinking about this as she wandered down the corridor uh, toward the bank of elevators that was closest uh, to where she lived. She was only about a, oh, six-minute walk. (sighs) She yawned again to herself uh, as she uh, walked down the hallway, and she thought, oh, man, I'm... Hmm, all right, I better try to finish up this coffee. Maybe I can get another one on the way. Uh, You know, I can stop by the cafe and and get another one um, before I... I head out to whatever my assignment is because I'm I'm still definitely not awake yet. So she took another couple of big swigs of her coffee uh, as she walked the few minutes over to the elevators. When she reached the bank of elevators, she noticed that a few people uh, were already there. Uh, and she recognized a few of them, actually. There were um, some other kind of drowsy-looking uh, maintenance techs uh, that must have also been uh, roused and uh, gotten ready to go to, to fix this stuff. And she looked around, and she's like, oh, yeah, there's Kakowski, uh, there's Martinez, there's you know, other people kind of ticking them off in her head. And then she got to this one guy, and she just stopped, and she frowned a little bit and looked away. She hated working with this guy. He was just such a clown. Like, he would not 
stop joking with people and messing with people and in the situations that they found themselves in, you know, a, a margin of error uh, when you're doing underwater welding and, and a lot of the stuff that they worked with. You couldn't have yourself distracted. Uh, it was way too easy to make a mistake that could mess up a job or get people injured. But for some reason, you know, this guy got reprimands all the time, but uh, they they kept him working. Uh, and she looked away quickly, uh, hoping that he hadn't noticed that she had been looking at him. Uh, and he didn't for a little while. Uh, he was busy uh, talking to uh, somebody else uh, on the maintenance crew. Uh, and she uh, waited with all of them. She assumed that somebody else had, had pushed the button already. And uh, uh, she was right. Eventually, a down elevator showed up. Uh, and people started to pile on, uh, and she entered the elevator as well, and there were about five, six people uh, on the elevator already, uh, and the she just, she couldn't, she just always thought of him as the clown, this stupid clown, um, was made sure that he was the last person to get on the elevator. Uh, and as the doors closed behind him and as somebody pushed the button, uh, to take them down to the, uh, level where the repair shed was, he looked around the elevator, uh, like he was looking for a target, right? Somebody to start messing with. Uh, and his eyes settled on her, uh, holding the coffee uh, and he said, whoa, you look like you had a rough night. Uh, and she said, yeah, moron, we all had a rough night. We got woken up early. Hey, at least I've got coffee. Uh, and he says, oh, hey, man, I see you got up on the wrong side of the bed. You know, what are those bags under your eyes and didn't have time to do your hair and just starts laying into her. And she rolls her eyes and keeps drinking her coffee and stops trying to respond. She'd learned that it was often better not to respond to this guy, but he'd gotten he'd gotten her riled up right there. Maybe she was tired and, and uh, just wasn't thinking ahead, but she shouldn't have engaged with him. He would have moved on, and now he was just stuck on her, commenting on her appearance and you know, uh, talking about her coffee and how it smelled nasty and yada, yada, yada. And a few of the other people in the elevator were snickering a little bit, but most of the, you know, I say most, there were only other like six other people in there, but, uh, you know, two of them were kind of chuckling along and the other three or four were just sort of rolling their eyes because they knew what this guy was like. And she... Uh, she just turned up the calliope in her head and let some music play while she looked off into the distance, just not even looking at this guy, you know, staring at the the buttons on the elevator as it counted down toward the bottom, and she knew they had another minute or so to go, and she just ignored all of the crap that he was saying and let him kind of burn himself out. Uh, and finally, the elevator settled onto the level that they were going to. Uh, there was a ding, the doors open, 
uh, and the clown swaggered out, looking very proud of himself. She rolled her eyes one last time, (sighs) heaved a big sigh, took another swig of coffee, uh, and exited the elevator with the rest of the techs. She swished the coffee back and forth uh, inside of her mug uh, and realized there were only a couple of mouthfuls left. And she was at a hub right now, and there were usually a couple of shops around um, the uh, elevator entrances and exits, especially the express stops. Um, And so she um, uh, looked at the clock on the wall and saw that she had about another 10 minutes before she had to report Uh, And so she swigged down the last couple of mouthfuls of her coffee before wandering over to one of the cafes to get a refill. Um, This was a a stop that she did fairly often, usually at the end of the day if she wanted a little pick-me-up on the way home. Uh, And so she wasn't really sure if the uh, barista that she knew was was usually going to be there. Um, but, uh, they were, uh, and, you know, by some happy coincidence, this was a, uh, a double shift that this person had picked up to, to cover for somebody else. So, uh, the repair tech, uh, walked up and said, uh, Hey, Amy, you know, how you doing? Uh, and the barista turned and smiled and said, Oh, Hey, what can I get for you? The, the usual, uh, and the repair tech said, yes, I'm going to need a rinse though. I, uh, Brought some of my own with me, but uh, downed it pretty quickly because, uh, you know, we're we're gonna we're gonna go right out. Uh, I was I was sleeping when the the earthquake hit, uh, and uh, the barista said, "Yeah, I um, it was kind of crazy. I uh, a couple of things fell off the shelves. I you know, I, I'm gonna have to make sure to to stock a little bit more carefully. It was uh, it was a, a bit of a surprise, honestly. Nobody uh." That one hit without any foreshocks. Nobody really knew that one was coming. Uh, and um, uh, the uh, repair tech said, yeah, I mean, I, I got to, it, it's good. It'll be overtime for me, but, um, you know, it's, it's never great when, when one that big kind of hits. Uh, and the barista uh, is taking the mug and he puts a little hot water in it to rinse it out and uh, uh, gets her some some fresh coffee uh, and, uh, hands it back over and says, Hey, you know what? No charge. You know, and I know that, uh, you're, you're a regular here and, uh, you've, uh, got a lot of work in front of you. So uh, this one's on the house. Uh, and the tech smiled and slipped a couple of bucks in the, uh, the tip jar and said, thank you very much. And, uh, I went over and, uh, dumped some, uh, non-dairy creamer in, uh, because you had to pay extra for milk, uh, and screwed the top back on her coffee and wandered over to the repair shed. When she got to the repair shed, uh, she um, went to go find the the foreman, uh, and uh, the foreman was like, yeah, check in over there, you'll see the emergency group that you're detailed to, uh, and the, the lists are, are up over there on the wall. And so she wandered over there, and she checked, and she was like, okay, good. Um, it was what she thought the, the bulk of the crews were being assigned to go work on the battery problem. There were 
uh, a couple of crews that had been assigned to go work on the the gondola cables and uh, a few more that had been assigned to to check on the the foundations but uh, they were clearly trying to get the batteries um, taken care of as quickly as possible so that everything would still be powered once the sun went down uh, and uh, based on the the season and the, the time of day they they probably had about six hours of good sunlight left so uh, this was going to be kind of a, a rush job uh, she uh, looked over uh, toward the side airlocks and noticed that uh, most of them had mini subs a uh, little uh, modified gondolas uh, to make it easier for people to get uh, in and out wearing all of their equipment uh, were already parked and, and ready to launch and she took another look at the list of the crew that she was going to be working with and of course down at the bottom of the list was the name of that stupid clown oh she hated working with that guy um, but there was, this was an emergency. There was, there was no time to try to get reassigned. So she grabbed her gear, uh, and wandered over to the, the airlock, uh, that her crew was going to be leaving through. Uh, and she still had coffee in, in her hand and she knew that she could leave it on the sub, but that it would probably be cold by the time she got back from her repairs. Uh, and she, she really hated peeing in her suit. You know, she could do it if she had to, but, uh, it was just, it was no fun. So she took one last uh, swig of coffee, uh, and put it down with the rest of her stuff. Uh, and, um, again, looked up at the clock and, and saw that, uh, she had about 10 minutes to, to launch time. Uh, people must have still been trickling in and grabbing all their stuff. She didn't see the clown anywhere. She doesn't know where he might have wandered off to. So she went to the bathroom and sat down and tried to collect her thoughts a little bit. She's like, okay, even if he's on my crew, that doesn't mean I'm going to be working with him. Um, I'm just going to do my thing and not worry about him. <sighs> okay. And she finished peeing and uh, got uh, up and washed her hands and uh, went back to gather all of her stuff and get on the sub. And the, the clown was there with everybody else and he was already ragging on somebody else. And she just rolled her eyes and gathered her stuff and tried to ignore him. Fairly soon after that, the, the crew chief came up and checked off that everybody who was uh, supposed to be there was there, uh, and then they all uh, packed into the sub, uh, and the airlock closed behind them, and uh, the sub disengaged and headed off to the wounded arcology. Uh, it was... Uh, only maybe four or five around the ring, um, but this this gondola this this sub was the same design as the the other gondolas, but it was not attached to uh, one of the long cables, so it could just go straight from one arcology to the next. And uh, she uh, looked out the the window uh, closest to her uh, and saw her. Arcology, the, the spiral glow of the arcology uh, fading into the 
uh, blackness uh, as the sub nosed down, uh, heading, it seemed, directly for what must have been the, the injured section of the other arcology. Uh, and the glow of her arcology continued to fade behind them uh, as they went deeper uh, and uh, away from the arcology they had launched from. She could see off to the, the other side of the sub um, the glows, faint distant glows of some of the other arcologies that they were passing by um, as they, they headed toward the bottom of the, the one that they needed to repair. Um, and it had been long enough now that uh, the geologists were pretty sure there weren't going to be any aftershocks. Uh, and so they um, suited up and, and got ready to, to leave. Um, the, um, they had a, a special um, airlock uh, that they set up uh, right against the, the regular airlock on their sub uh, that would allow it to uh, fill uh, with, with water. Uh, and so somebody could step inside uh, and they could uh, open up, they could attach this airlock to another airlock and, and open it just in case the section had been flooded. Uh, and then uh, the water would kind of pour in and the pressures would equalize and then the, the door would open and the, the person would be allowed to um, step out into this, this water uh, f directly from inside of the sub. Uh, and then the door would close on the inner airlock and the water would get pumped out and the next person could, could step in and the process could repeat. Um, this would allow them to get into the flooded sections uh, and start working. So they lined up um, to head into this specialized airlock to basically get... Uh, um, put directly into the, the flooded section uh, of this airlock. And their, um, the batteries, when they got wet, um, should have immediately gone into a, a shutdown status. But uh, their suits were insulated and non-conductive, and so even if there was some electricity flowing around, they, they shouldn't get shocked. But their, their first goal was to, to make sure to get some pumps uh, up and running. Uh, in some of the sections that had been less hard hit, the automatic pumps had kicked in um, already, but uh, there must have been a fairly substantial breach on this level. Uh, she hadn't seen it. Uh, maybe it was at a different angle from the one that they had approached, um, but uh, they needed to get some uh, manual pumps uh, up and running that were on a, a different power source uh, from these batteries uh, and um, make sure that they could start pumping out the water. And depending on the, the size of the, the break, uh, they might have to do some... <sighs> she was, she did not love this idea, but they might have to do some, some welding and repairing uh, in the water before they could... Uh, actually get enough of this hole closed uh, to be able to uh, start pumping the water out because otherwise the water would just rush right back in and, and nothing much would change. She was running through all of this in her head uh, when she felt somebody tap on her shoulder and she didn't even want to turn around and she felt somebody 
tapping harder on her shoulder, and she knew it was going to be that stupid clown. And when she turned around and looked, yep, grinning right through his faceplate was that stupid clown. Uh, and he said, morning, sunshine. You, you ready to go now? You, you, you look much better through your faceplate than you did in person. And she just turns back around and uh, ignores him again. But he continues to, to talk about her, even though she's not looking at him. And he says, oh, I must have done something to offend your highness. I'm sorry, princess. I didn't know you were so thin-skinned. Uh, and one of the other people in line says, shut up, man. Like, no, nobody's in the mood for this. And the guy laughs and says, oh, you, oh, are you sticking up for her? You have a crush on her or something? And nobody's in the mood for this now that they're uh, about ready to go into a hazardous work environment. But this guy won't shut up. Um, and the problem is, you know, she she had muted the comms in her suit before um, when she had to work with this guy. But uh, she was always afraid of, of missing some important information. So... She left the radio on, and um, she got to, to hear this guy talk to himself for a while over the comms while she waited for her turn to uh, leave this airlock. And she hoped that eventually he would shut up. Um, so she, uh, when it was her turn, she stepped into the airlock uh, and uh, felt it fill up with water uh, and felt some of the pressure on her suit uh, before the uh, air pumps in, in her suit um, started to equalize against the, the pressure of the water. Uh, and it was it was kind of like um, it was kind of like an astronaut suit. you know she had a little power pack and an, an air supply and uh, stuff that she uh, took with her. Um, it, the, the suit uh, had to be pressurized because of the depth uh, that they were at. Um, but, uh, there was no, um, like, uh, like Navy divers, there was no air hose or anything. They had to be able to, uh, carry all their stuff with them as they moved around through, uh, wreckage or things that they needed to be repairing. Uh, and so she, it was bulky. It was very heavy stuff. Uh, but, uh, once she got, uh, into the water, um, it was much, much easier to maneuver. And so she... Once all the pressures equalized and the um, uh, outer airlock opened and she was allowed to move into the flooded portion of the arcology, she saw that um, her theory was basically correct. The entire thing was, was flooded uh, top to bottom. There were maybe tiny air pockets um, in, in some of the, in some spaces, but, uh, it was pretty much completely flooded. Uh, and she turned the, the light on her, um, she tapped them both on the wrists, uh, of her, um, suit, uh, so that, uh, there could be light wherever she pointed her hands, uh, and she tapped also, uh, on the side of her faceplate to engage the light uh, so that uh, there would be light wherever she was looking as well. Uh, and she followed the, the lights of the previous couple of people who had uh, gotten uh, off through this airlock. And there was a, a little bit of emergency lighting left, um, but not a whole lot. Maybe there was some electricity 
uh, shorted some things out, but uh, nothing seemed to be sparking, not that there was a whole lot of uh, air left anyway. So she followed the lights of some of the people that had left before she had, uh, and uh, after a couple of minutes travel, uh, she got to the the inside of the coil of the arcology uh, and saw that there was a giant tear. Um, and it was a tear, um, kind of, uh, radially, uh, along this, uh, spiral. So instead of having one crack, it was a, a large split, um, and like somebody had sort of opened a zipper along the side of the, uh, tube of the arcology. And, um, she paused and took a few seconds to to take it all in this was going to be a big job um this was going to take all of them multiple hours to weld in patches on before they could even start draining uh for the batteries uh and she heard uh a voice uh come over the um comm system uh, and say all right all right cut the chatter uh, and cut off that stupid clown who was still razzing on people. She couldn't believe it. And um, told them all to cut the chatter uh, so that uh, she could make an official report. Uh, and the crew chief uh, radioed in what they had found and some measurements on how big the, the split was and uh, what they, they needed to, to fix it. Uh, and... Um, they had brought some of the supplies with them, but the split was bigger than they thought, so uh, they sent one person back to the, um, the gondola to grab the supplies that they had already brought with them, uh, and then radioed in for, for more plating uh, and more uh, welders. Um, and um, the repair tech was one of the most experienced welders there. Uh, and she um, got one of the underwater welders that uh, they already had uh, with them and started uh, welding a plate all the way at the end of uh, one crack. Uh, and um, somebody else took a plate down to the uh, other end uh, and started uh, welding as well. And this continued for hours. Um, as soon as more welders, uh, arrived, the more welding machines, welding units arrived, uh, more of the techs started welding. Uh, and so they had, um, the different parts of this, uh, weld kind of coming together. Um, they had a couple of people on the outside, uh, who were m melting away some of the more jagged parts of the metal. Uh, and trying to uh, smooth uh, some of the uh, the edges to, to make it a little easier to weld. Um, and it happened that this, she couldn't believe it, this clown somehow managed to become one of the last people to actually get a welder so that he could stand back and comment on other people's welding. He could make snide remarks about how Oh, nope, that bead, see, you broke that bead right there. We're going to have another leak. Or, man, that is that is sloppy. Can you see? That doesn't look like nickels or half moons or anything like this. And 
again, the crew chief had to get on and tell him to, to knock it off. And he sullenly, um, refused to talk to anybody for a few minutes until finally, um, he got a welding unit and he had to start welding as well. Uh, and the, the repair tech, she was very proud of what she did and she took an especial pride in watching this guy get started and, uh, immediately seeing that, uh, his bead was not as good as hers. Uh, and so she just kept welding with a little uh, sly smile on her face. Be like, all right, that clown, man, he, at least he can't keep up this running commentary while he's also trying to weld. Uh, and so she continued to weld these plates over this big crack. Underwater welding is a slow, tedious, and dangerous process. She would finish with a particular stick and go get another one and make sure that the the current wasn't changing and do the next stick and um, check to see that her welds were okay, that they weren't cracking as they cooled too quickly, and uh, double-checking to make sure that her her bead was was the right shape and uh, just you know, being very careful to, to make sure that, uh, these would hold, uh, once they, they started to do some pumping. Uh, and after about an hour, she had to take a break. She had to go back, uh, through the airlock, you know, hand off her equipment to somebody else because more emergency workers were coming in from other arcologies. And she had to go back over into the gondola, uh, to, uh, to be under normal pressure, uh, for a while. Um, and, uh, you know, outside of the, the pressure of her suit, uh, and, uh, she would wait and, um, she had a few more sips of her coffee and, uh, used the bathroom in the gondola again, cause she hated going in her suit. Uh, and, um, basically just relaxed for a little bit, took about an hour off, suited up again, went back out through the airlock, relieved the person who had been welding in her place, uh, and kept working and cycled through the next few hours like this. Uh, it had been after about four hours from when they started, uh, the last weld was put on this big emergency plating, uh, that should have sealed off the water. Uh, and the welding team, um, uh, retreated back to the gondolas. There was another team that had been setting up pumps while they had been doing this work. Uh, and they wanted to, um, get out of there because these were fairly rapid pumps and nobody wanted to get, uh, in the, uh, you know, caught up in the, the current these things created as they were, were sucking the, the water out. Uh, and there were, um, I guess you'd call them blowers, uh, that had, uh, air tanks on them as well, that, uh, as the water, uh, was being pumped out, these tanks would pump in air, uh, to, uh, replace the volume of water that had been pumped out, uh, and, uh, make sure that the, the inside would still be pressurized, uh, so that it wouldn't, uh, crumple, uh, as the, um, water was, was drained out. Uh, and so they did, they went back to their gondolas and they, uh, let this process happen, which should have been about another hour. 
Uh, and even at this point, the clown was too tired to, to keep up his, his running commentary. So they just, they waited, they relaxed, they, they watched the little, uh, news, um, uh, screen in their gondola, which was talking about, you know, the news was a little bit delayed. They had some reports from the repair team, uh, but, uh, mostly there were, um, you know, the talking heads on there were speculating about uh, whether or not the batteries would get up in time for nightfall and that there was, you know, less than than two hours left. And uh, uh, the people on the sub were just shaking their heads like that. There's a crisis and these guys got to make content out of it somehow. So they relaxed and and waited for the the pumps to, to do their job. After she had recovered a bit, uh, the repair tech uh, decided that she would review a little bit about uh, the battery restart process. It had been a while since she had done this, and uh, especially since you know, it's possible that there was some corrosion in some of these batteries, she, she wanted to make sure that she remembered the process. So uh, she uh, went into her pack of her personal stuff, and she picked up her coffee and, and took a sip, um, which it was still warm. This was a pretty good travel mug. Uh, it wasn't hot anymore, but it was was still warm. And she pulled out her uh, maintenance book and uh, started reviewing the the process for restarting the batteries. And uh, sh- she heard from the other side of the sub, "Oh, princess, you doing some light reading?" And the clown had recovered a bit as well. And this is what he decided he was going to do. And somebody from further down the sub sub said, Could you just shut up, Terry? Oh my god, come on, we're all tired, just knock it off. Uh, And everybody was glaring at this dude, Um, and she just ignored him and kept reading her manual. And after she refreshed um, uh, her memory on on how to do this, this restart, uh, she uh, closed up her, her book and uh, uh, put it back uh, in her bag, um, took another swig of coffee and swirled the liquid in her cup and there, there wasn't much left, maybe another mouthful or so. And she decided that she would down that uh, right before getting back into her suit. Uh, and she decided to take a look out the window uh, and she saw... Lots more moving things than she usually did at this depth, but they they weren't marine life. There were other little subs, and there were many more gondolas attached on the the outside of this little transportation hub. Uh, And there were um, lots of personal water taxis moving around way more than usual, uh, because you travel between the some of the arcologies was basically suspended right now, the ones where the, the cables broke. Uh, and she enjoyed the sight there. It was, it was neat to see that many lights moving around in the, the, the darkness. She usually didn't get to see that. Uh, and they, uh, very shortly after that, they got the all clear that, uh, the pumps had work, the welds, 
the, the, the pumps had worked, the welds uh, were holding, uh, and uh, they were going to split up into new teams when they went back in. Um, some of the teams were going to go back and uh, put more permanent uh, welding in uh, over this uh, gash, uh, and other teams were going to go in and uh, start uh, restarting the batteries. Uh, and um, so she... Like she said she was going to, she took the last swig of her coffee uh, and suited up uh, one last time for tonight at least. Uh, and she um, got in line again to, to go through this airlock and uh, she hustled a little bit to get toward the front of the line because she knew that the clown would always be sloping along at the back. Uh, and uh, he didn't disappoint. He you know, called the people who lined up first eager beavers and, you know, waited until the very last minute to get in his suit and get in line. And she wasn't even around to see that. Uh, and he started zipping up. She stepped into the, the airlock. Uh, and this time there was no water that flooded in. It just, uh, opened up on the, the other side. Uh, and she still had her faceplate up um, just in case. Uh, she didn't want to, you know, breathe any, if there were any fumes from the batteries or anything like that. Uh, and so she went around the curve uh, away from the airlock toward where the, the batteries were stored in the, the opposite direction from where this uh, gash was. Uh, and she uh, got into uh, the the battery storage room. Uh, I guess maybe the damage wasn't so bad, she thought to herself, because the, the door still opened and let her into the battery uh, storage room. Um, she couldn't really smell because she still had her faceplate down, so she didn't know how bad the damage was. But uh, looking around, she didn't see any burns or, or scorches or any obvious corroding so it's it's possible that the seals held on most of these things and that uh when the water started to to rush in they all um uh, shut down uh, as best they could you know they would still be storing power uh but they they would have disconnected from um taking in more power uh and um uh, shut off the, the fans that circulated air to, to try to keep the water out and uh, um, in general gone into kind of a, a lockdown state. Um, so what she had to do was was get back in there and, and get them all started up again. Uh, and she went to the uh, first battery uh, and she saw and it, it was sort of like um, there was there was a like a fuse box up on the wall and she saw that all the the breakers had been been tripped and she nodded and she she went and she checked on the individual batteries just to do a visual inspection to make sure that uh, nothing was wrong on the outside and the next thing she had to do was to open their waterproof cases to make sure that uh, nothing had seeped in uh, and so this particular room had uh, 24 storage batteries in it and so she went over to the first battery and uh, did a visual inspection and flipped the lid open 
Uh, and, you know, first she, she popped each one of the seals that were holding it down on the gasket uh, and uh, looked inside, and it was all dry inside. So she closed that one back up uh, and went back over to the circuit breaker uh, and cycled the breaker for that battery. Uh, and she could um, feel a little bit of a hum in the floor as it came back online. And as soon as the first battery was back online, then start of the air circulation started back up again, and uh, some lighting came back on in the room, and she nodded to herself and turned off her wrist lights and her, her face light. Uh, and was like, all right, one down, 23 to go. And she goes over to the next battery, and she does a visual inspection on the outside. Uh, and she uh, pops the seals on it and lifts the top up off the gasket again and looks inside, and it's dry inside. And she's like, okay, good. I mean, this, this is only the second one, but uh, so far this is a pretty good sign. Maybe, maybe we're not in such bad shape. So she seals this one back up again, um, goes back over to the circuit breaker on the wall and cycles the, the second battery. Uh, and everything seems to be working so far. She continues the third battery, the fourth battery, the fifth battery, the sixth battery, until she's at the end of the, the first row of, of large batteries. Uh, and so far, everything checks out, and she breathes a big sigh of relief, and she turns her comms back on and says, all right, I got one row all ready to go here. Um, I'm going to work on the other three next. Uh, and the clown just gets immediately jumps in and is like, oh man, I'm already done with twice that much, you know, pick up the pace. And she, before she can even hear anything else, she shuts her calm back off and she just growls a little bit to herself uh, and goes over to the seventh battery uh, and repeats the same process, inspects the outside, flips uh, open the seals, checks for water, um, seals the battery back up again and she's just like okay I'm good at this I'm doing all of these steps basically as fast as I can if I'm being thorough there is no way that stupid clown is going through all the same steps faster than I am he's either doing a crappy visual inspection he's not popping all of them open you know, who knows, maybe he just went over and cycled all the switches on the wall without even double-checking. I bet that's what he did, and now he's just standing around having a laugh at the rest of us, and she's getting more and more frustrated because she is doing her job, and this jerk is just... Uh, she puts it out of her mind. She's like, okay, that was seven. Uh, I've still got the rest of this row and two more rows. So she continues the process, eight, nine, 10. When she gets to battery 11, she does her visual inspection of the outside and, and everything looks good. Uh, but when she um, pops open the seals, a little bit of water starts to leak out. She's like, okay, this might be a problem. Uh, so she goes uh, over to a unit on the wall uh, and gets a um, 
it looks like a, a shop vac basically um, and um, sets it up right near this battery uh, and when she pops open the top um, yep this one is full the seals failed on this one so she starts running that the shop vac to to drain it of water uh, and moves on to checking the the rest of the batteries and the twelfth one is fine 13 14 15 16 17 18 all the batteries in that third row are fine 19 20 21 nope nope 21 flooded okay so she went back over to 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 check to make sure that the shop vac had had finished draining the water out of uh uh, number 11 and uh, it looked pretty good to her but uh, she she was not certified to assess the internals on the, the battery so she um, left the the lid off of this one uh, and she uh, made a little note uh, okay I have to radio this in so she took the the shop vac thing she checked the levels on it and uh, was fine it still had enough room so she took that over to battery number 21 uh, and started draining that one as well uh, when she moved on to check uh, 22 23 24 all right all the batteries uh, in this room had been checked uh, 11 and 21 were down uh, and so she needed to report those in, but uh, 22 out of 24 was pretty good. That uh, that wouldn't even be a big hit uh, on the the energy storage here because uh, most of them weren't needed uh, all at the same time. And uh, if the folks in this arcology knew that some of the batteries had gone down, they would be a bit more careful with their power tonight. Uh, and so she she felt pretty good about what was going on. As soon as the shop vac was done draining out the other battery, uh, she took it back to its storage location uh, and uh, made sure to empty out the reservoir uh, and then, you know, purge that so that it would dump it uh, out of the, the arcology. And she stowed the equipment back away uh, and flipped her comms back on. Uh, and she heard uh, the... Um, crew chief calling her and be like, uh, yes, can you report in? You know, we need a report on your uh, battery storage facility. And she says, yes, sorry, had my comms off to focus on the job. Uh, and she heard like a wolf whistle in the background and she knew it was that stupid clown. Uh, and she says, uh, yes, uh, we were 22 out of 24 uh, battery packs. Uh, 11 and 21 are down. Uh, I drained them. Uh, and um, left them uh, open to, to dry so somebody uh, who's battery certified will, will need to come in and, and take a look at those. And the crew chief said, all right, thanks for the report. Uh, come on back in. Um, we, uh, we're waiting on a, a few more uh, teams to, to finish up, but uh, looks like our, our loss number was, uh, was pretty low. Uh, we should be good to go on at least the basics of getting this arcology back up and running. And the repair tech said, all right, copy that. Um, I'm headed back over to the, to the gondolas. Uh, and she, um, now that she was done with her job, she finally, uh, opened her, her faceplate, uh, and 
sort of sniffed the air and it smelled musty and kind of salty, but, uh, but like air. And so she took a deep breath and, uh, sighed it out and it just kind of hit her how hard she'd been working and, and how long she had been up and, uh, she knew her sleep schedule was going to be all thrown off and she, you know, she had some snacks and stuff during those breaks in the welding, but she hadn't had a real meal in hours and, oh man, she was going to sleep well tonight. She was looking forward to that. Um, so she, uh, clicked her face plate back up, uh, checked on her air supply, which was fine, uh, and headed back toward the gondola. And as she entered the gondola, um, there were a few people already there. Uh, and of course the clown was there. Uh, and he was, you know, applauding sarcastically whenever anybody got back onto the gondola and she got back on and he applauded for her. Uh, and, uh, she just, she turned her back on him, uh, which just made him clap louder. And, uh, she went over to her seat and took her helmet off. Uh, and this, this guy says, Hey, you know, took you long enough. Glad, glad to have you back. And she glares at him and she just says, you know what? Screw you, you clown. And the moral of the story is, comebacks always sound better in your head. <laughs>